1: Welcome everybody to the hockey think tank podcast brought to you by the a website for all players parents and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on Justin Dowling, NHL player. He's a veteran of close to 600 professional games in 10 years professionally, but He signed with the Vancouver Canucks coincidentally on the day that we recorded the podcast with him. He spent most of his career in the Dallas Stars organization, uh, but he hails from right outside of Calgary, Alberta and Cochrane, Alberta. He played his junior hockey in the WHL before going on to play in the East coast league to the AHL and then getting his shot in the NHL. He was actually in the bubble with Dallas when they went on their Stanley cup run. And what a conversation we had with this guy. I mean, we're talking about somebody who didn't get drafted in the WHL draft for junior hockey, didn't get drafted in the NHL draft for hockey, took him six years to finally play his first NHL game. And uh, what a conversation this one was. And he was a teammate of our boy, Jeffrey Lavecchio. So without further ado, Let's bring on the talent of the podcast. Vex, what's up today?
2: Just uh, a beautiful Saturday morning here in sunny St. Louis and I was really excited. I had a great week. I had uh, Chris Weidman, who was KHL D-Man of the Year, one of the guys I trained, signed with uh, the Montreal Canadiens for next year, made his way back to the show. Been a long way since that uh, Uber incident and having to battle all that so I was really happy for him he's worked so hard he's such a good person uh one of my other guys Ryan McInnes uh son of Al McInnes the slap shot man himself uh just signed with the Buffalo Sabres so that was awesome for him and then thirdly getting to talk to uh Dowling one of my former teammates um we played together in the East Coast League I played like 25 games I think in the coast and I we were line mates for probably like 12 of those and You know, we only played together like 12 games to start that year. And then we both went up to the American League um, and his career absolutely just took off. Um, but he's one of my favorite line mates I've ever played with. This guy read the game, reads the game so well. Um, such a good communicator. Like we're always like ta- bouncing ideas off each other, mid game on the bench, like changing things on the fly, just set me up with so many backdoor tap-ins because of his, his unbelievable vision. And then on top of that, he was one of my favorite guys I ever played with personality wise. We hung out a lot, you know, the couple months that we played together. I've stayed in contact with him. You know, that was, that was like my third year playing so maybe my fourth year pro i don't know 10 years ago probably still talk to him quite a bit and i was excited to finally get him on the podcast and happened to be a pretty cool day that he just signed with uh vancouver that day so really exciting having him on for this one
1: absolutely and that was a fun conversation just like talking about like all of the ups and downs of his career. I mean, we're talking, like I said, five, six years before getting his first sniff in the NHL, didn't get drafted, didn't get drafted in the WHL, late bloomer, and, and we just love bringing guys on that have that kind of pedigree and story because that's where most of us are. <laughs> very, very very few of us are the Connor McDavid's or the first round draft picks uh, getting up into it. And so getting the chance as a kid to, to listen to another story about somebody who had to persevere and work hard and get cut and not get drafted and all that to, to finally you know reach the pinnacle and, and again very very cool the fact that we got to interview him on the day that he signed a two-year contract with vancouver so yeah i mean I, I obviously didn't know him before this but it seems like couldn't have happened to a better guy and looking forward to you know seeing where his career continues to take off to now
2: yeah dude, he true truly is and you know we both love you know everyone always said late bloomer and we're trying to turn that into, no, you're, you're pretty much on par, you're normal bloomer. And he even said, it. you know, I was a late bloomer. You're a late bloomer compared to, you know, one of your linemates, Tyler Sagan, but the, Tyler Sagan is the, the exception. He's not the rule, but really cool to hear, you know, we constantly preach, you know, get better every year, focus on yourself. Um, You know, always try and improve, you know, believe in yourself, work towards it. And, you know, the guy got cut from the duck you know wasn't drafted like started in the coast unbelievable in the nhl unbelievable i love these stories i think that they're so important for hockey players to hear and for just everyone to hear about life you know we're both entrepreneurs we've both done you know different things in our lives when you started the hockey think tank both podcast and business you started them from nothing i started my training company with two clients you know like you just got to keep persevering. You got to keep going, getting better every day. And it's just so cool being able to show people that, that anything is possible, like, you know, with a case like Justin here. For sure. And
1: you go back to it too. It was Mike Snee. I remember who we had on the podcast, who's the executive director of college hockey Inc. And we were talking about late bloomers. And do you remember this conversation that we had way, way back and uh, he he basically said no, it's it's not late bloomers. Those people are normal, <laughs> like you said, they're the rule, not the exception. The exception are the ones that are the quote unquote early bloomers. You know, the ones that hit puberty or were just blessed by God. You know, at at an early age uh, with skill or um, physical maturation, whatever it, it may be. And so, yeah, getting a chance to to hear these kinds of stories, I think a lot of a lot of kids that are. Trying to grind and and trying to to achieve their dream of playing at the highest level. I mean, this is the path that ninety nine percent of them are going to go on. So getting the chance to be able to tell these stories with these people that we have on, uh, very very cool. Justin seems like an awesome guy and uh, very cool that he gets. He's from Calgary and he's going back to Vancouver, so he's going to be a little bit closer to home with a newborn now. And so just and it was really cool to hear him talk about that and his family and uh, his first goal that he scored in the NHL. He scored in Calgary and he was. It's a really funny story about his mom too i won't won't spoil it here but uh you have to listen to the podcast to get that but uh just seems like a really cool guy very happy for him
2: dude he's he's one of the best i think a lot of a lot of people are going to be happy listening to his story and become justin dowling fans now for sure for sure uh before we
1: do get over to justin though one thing did want to talk about here um before we get into our sponsors and, and heading over to justin is we just want to send you know our Uh, I don't know if congratulations is the right word, but just uh, give a virtual podcast hug to to Prokop, who is a player that was drafted by the Nashville Predators, uh, who just came out as gay just a few weeks ago. And I think you know, hockey is for everyone is the tagline that we all like to use. Uh, I think we're getting there. <laughs> uh, as, as a sport, we might be a little bit behind in making sure that hockey actually is for everybody. Um, but just a very, very courageous move by him uh, to come out as gay. He, I believe the he is the first player under NHL contract. So he hasn't played an NHL game yet, but he's the first player under NHL contract uh, to come out. And uh, we just want to, you know, send him our support our way. And he's been doing some different types of media. Um, Spit and Chicklets actually had Bane Pettinger on their podcast uh, last week as well, who is a player agent uh, that came out as gay just a little bit ago as well and talked about his process of going through it and and how we just want to normalize it. You know, hopefully at some point, this isn't a big story. Hopefully at some point, hockey truly is for everybody and everybody feels welcome and comfortable in our sport. And uh, just the, the reaction from the NHL, I think has been awesome. You know, every team has come out and support so many different players have come out and support um former players the league everybody in in support of Noah as he uh stood on stood on uh you know shoulders and and came out and just what a courageous move by him so we just wanted to um before we get into our podcast just say you know we're there for you and uh, we're very very happy and proud that you were able to come out and dude like I can't imagine living not your true self you know like what a weight that has to be lifted off this kid's shoulders to, to do this and get the support that he's gotten and just be able to live freely. You know, I'm a person it doesn't even amount to what he's gone through, but I like, I like internal things. Sometimes internalized things, sometimes when something's bothering me and you know how I'm sure you do that too. It kind of gets in the pit of your stomach and you're just, you're not living the way that you want to live and type stuff. And I'm like, to have to do that your entire life and keep something like that in, it can't be healthy. Um, and so now that this kid's going to be, I'm sure he's going to be even a much better hockey player for being able to do this too now. Right. So I'm um, just very, very happy for him and and wanted to, to address that on the podcast here.
2: Yeah. It's unreal. It's embarrassing that he even needs to still be talked about or, you know, that, some of the African-American players get racial slurs again, like, oh, that's just a joke. We're all people like, shut up, let people live. Stoked for him. It was very cool to see the, the NHL outpouring, um, outpouring of NHL support from teams, players, you know, agents, everybody. So thankfully, uh, yeah, you're right. This kid's probably gonna be a way better hockey player now that he doesn't have to like, you know, have that weight on his shoulders.
1: For sure. For sure. So awesome stuff from him. Uh, again, we will hopefully get to a point soon where this isn't a story <laughs> and, uh, and, and everybody who feels like they want to be a part of the game feels welcome to, to be a part of the game. So, uh, awesome stuff there has all the support in the world from the hockey think tank and ripped hockey as well. <laughs> um, but let's get into our sponsors here that we want to thank. Thank you to gel sticks, our title sponsor, G-E-L-S-T-X.com. These guys are awesome. Go to the website to get a discount on your weighted training sticks by entering the coupon code thinktank, one word. Vax, you got to train heroic.
2: Thank you to Train Heroic. It's the app that I house all of my online training with. I use this with my pro uh, clients from around the world individually. I have tons of online programs that anyone can sign up and use. I have my Train With Me team where people can sign up and do my exact workouts that I'm currently doing. Uh, I have a team of like 118 people strong right now, I wanna say, from around uh north america and that's been actually there's a couple people in europe doing it too in japan so that's been pretty exciting uh trying to just offer things to help people train smarter and harder and take care of their bodies so thank you to train heroic and i think you should go for another bout with ice
1: hockey systems.com you did such a great <laughs> such a great job last week i f- totally forgot about it as we gotten through but you're the man at this so give her a go uh,
2: god What do you want me to say? I can't remember (laughs) what I said last time.
1: You should have told me before so I could have prepared. That's okay. All right. I'll do it. And then you can thank all the listeners. The most important thing. So uh, thank you to icehockeysystems.com. We have partnered with them uh, on an association platform so you can get everything from thousands of drills that they have on their site to um, draw, drilling, draw, drill, drawing software where you can actually go in online and uh, draw up your drills, send them to your team, send them your players beforehand, send a practice plan, little, be a little bit more prepared. As a coach, your players know what's going on when they get there. Uh, they also have our parent guidebook and our Hockey Think Tank Survival Guide. So you can go there. And again, this is for everybody in your organization. So from the players to the parents to the coaches, um, just an awesome partnership that we have with them. So go to icehockeysystems.com, look for the associations tab and go ahead and get that for your organization today and thank you to our listeners right vex
2: literally the only reason we do this is to help anyone who's listening we we literally just i constantly tell people like we do the things we do because we wish somebody like us would have told us at a younger age or our parents or talk to the coaches and said, try this or listen to this thing. And you're going to immediately be better or have a different perspective that will help you become better. Uh, and so we do this for you guys. We can't thank all of you listeners enough. And literally like we started out and we started getting big because people were just sharing, like literally constantly telling us how they're sharing it within their organization, within their team, within their friend circles, within their teammate circles. So like, please keep sharing us. We're literally trying to bring on people and bring up conversations that will make you better at the game of hockey and the game of life. So thank you for sharing, rating, liking, whatever, um, trying to spread the news about what we're trying to do here. Thank you very much. Start spreading
1: the news. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not gonna sing. That's that's,
2: bad.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we gotta know. We get notes from people all the time, and and wanted to share one, and we'll continue to. to Uh, probably even share some more of these, but, um, got one this week that just said, just want to say thanks for all that you and Jeff are putting out there for coaches and players. I'm going into my first coaching season confident because I listen to your guys podcast. And so that for us is huge because if we can give you a little bit more comfortability and confidence going into what you're doing, that's going to translate to your players And your players are going to get better because of that. So um, that's just a really, really cool note for us to get that somebody feels more confident in themselves into the job that they'll be doing and having an impact on these kids. And so, you know, we really appreciate all that feedback, just like Jeff said, keep keep them coming. Uh, If there's people, you know, you want us to interview, if there's feedback that you have both positive and constructive um, send them our way, uh, whether it's a, an email, tofer at the hockey uh, or if you want to shoot us a, a note on social media, Jeff has a blue check mark so you can find him. Um, I don't know if you know this, but he's got a lot of leather bound books and some mahogany, and he's kind of a big deal. And so, uh, no, we appreciate everything. And uh, you guys are going to absolutely love, love, love this interview with just an absolute grinder and warrior and awesome, awesome hockey player that just signed on to play, and I believe his 11th professional season with the Vancouver Canucks. So without further ado, here we go with Justin Dowling.
0: Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas.
1: We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast. He is now a Vancouver Canuck as of today. Dowling, How are we doing?
3: <laughs> I'm doing good, guys. How are you guys doing?
1: doing really well it's one of one of my main man over here's former teammates playing together (laughs) and uh so first before actually before we get into you you got any you got any dirt on this guy like there's got to be something some kind of funny story about vex from playing with him in pro huh uh
3: yeah i mean there's quite a bit (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if i want to say right but uh (laughs) yeah uh he enjoys the we'll hookah bars, from what I remember.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: like to sit at the hookah lounge a little bit. Oh, I love
2: it! I and I was it. telling somebody about that place like two weeks ago. It's so funny. <laughs> Only time I've ever tried the hookah bar in my life was with this guy. He clearly brought me there, not the other way around.
3: <laughs> yeah. And who else was there? Wasn't it? Uh, wasn't it like Trevor Glass? Maybe. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. I think it yeah, was Glass. Or yeah. yeah, it was for sure. I can't. That's there so maybe funny. one other
2: guy too. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, I don't
3: even know how we ended up in there. We walked in there and everyone was smoking. We we're like, well, might as well try it, I guess. Guess, <laughs> guess I'll try right tonight. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> That's so when funny. in Salt Lake City?
3: Yeah. yeah. yeah in, Salt Lake City. Too, in Salt Lake City. Oh, I like it guys.
1: Well, good stuff. Well, Justin, thanks so much for coming on, man. Obviously a big day for you uh, signing here with the Vancouver Canucks for two years. So congratulations on that. And uh, we'll get into that stuff in in just a bit. But first, just would love to introduce you for those of our listeners that don't know you and you grew up right outside of Calgary, a little town called Cochrane, Alberta. And uh, so how'd you fall in love with the game up there? Was was it the Calgary Flames? Was it uh, your parents getting into the game? What uh, What was your entrance into this great game of hockey? crazy living in canada i know but you know
3: <laughs> yeah it's so uncommon living up here in canada and playing <laughs> hockey but i think it was yeah obviously for my parents it's or my dad at least take me to games um i feel like that's like one of the main things you do in the winter here is just go to flames games or hitmen games i actually remember going to hitmen games more than i do going to flames games um i think just the tickets were cheaper i guess <laughs> i don't know um but I, I really enjoyed watching. My dad would always point out Paul Correa growing up. So any time that uh, Anaheim came to Calgary, that's we had to go to the games. And I think that's kind of how what got me interested in the game was actually playing or going to watch them and, and then being able to play them. And I never actually wanted to be a player either. My dad said I always wanted to be a goalie too. He was a goalie growing up. So I liked the pads and all the, the gear and stuff and, and all the painted helmets. So I think that's maybe also what got me interested was just being able to customize gear and, and look cool on the ice.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I think you made the right decision going and playing it out. So <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't be a good
3: goalie. I have a tough uh, time blocking shots. I couldn't imagine doing a, to
1: stop and talk, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, that's, that's good stuff, man. So, you know, obviously growing up in Calgary, um, big hockey is a big thing there. And, and you ended up going to the Western league for, for your junior hockey experience. And, you know, when did you kind of figure out that, you know, hockey was something that at some point was going to take you places. Was it more in the youth side? Was it something when you got to the WHL started to have some success there? Like when did it become kind of more of a hobby than, Hey, I might be able to do something with this with my life.
3: Yeah. I mean, growing up, I never really had an interest in being a professional hockey player. I actually loved skateboarding. I I wanted to be a professional skateboarder for However weird that sounds! I just loved it. I loved everything to do but I still follow it to this day. Like Nigel Houston's my guy. I love watching his clips. Disappointing how his Olympic uh, Olympics went, but that is what it is. But I like. I don't. I didn't think it was going to be my job until maybe like my second or third year in junior. And then I just I had really good years, and I, I didn't end up getting drafted or anything. But I still thought that I was good enough that I should have been drafted. So I kind of got that fire inside where I wanted to to prove to people that I could play pro hockey. And then once I actually got in and uh, out of junior and played in Abbotsford for a bit and realized that I could play at that level, I kind of realized that I that's what I wanted to do. And I really wanted to to take that step forward. But up until even like my first year in junior, I was just doing it to have fun with like my friends. I just I loved playing the game and I loved being around my friends, but I never thought of it to be something that was going to be, um, something that would take me to my thirties.
1: I love what you say there. Yo, so, so Justin, so Vex and I have like been beating the adversity drum. Um, I'm not going to say more than we need to, because I think it's so important (laughs) as you're kind of growing up and learning how to figure stuff out. But I, I love what you said there, where you said, you know, you didn't get drafted into the NHL and, and, from that, a fire lit inside of you. And we've like two podcasts ago was about overcoming adversity and how important it is. So right. can you expand a little bit about that? Just like, you know, you're, you're having these successful junior campaigns in swift current and you're feeling really good. And and then all of a sudden the draft day comes, you probably felt like you were going to get drafted and didn't end up happening. Like take us through that process of how that lit a fire under your ass.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't get drafted into junior either. I just, Opened up envelopes in the mail and decided what team I wanted to go to. Um, <laughs> so I've I've been taking the long road my whole life, but uh, yeah, it's the when it came to draft day, I had uh, I had a few teams call me, or not draft day, but the day before, and they called me and they said, like I had I point a game that year and in, in the Western League, I think I had close to thirty goals, maybe. So I, I put up really good numbers for my draft year, and then especially back then when points aren't what they are now like when kids are getting 120 130 points that just didn't happen when I was playing um but yeah teams called and they were like if you're still there in the third round we're gonna take you and it got to the third round and I wasn't being taken (laughs) so it's just I don't know it pissed me off a lot and I just hated how people were I guess lying to me in a sense like it was it was really frustrating and then um again I went back to junior and I played really well and then um, it came to my 20 year old year and I see all these guys that I play against and, and I've played against my whole life or signing contracts and as free agents or just with the teams I got drafted and I'm still sitting there not getting anything and I'm putting up good numbers again. I was always a point of game guy in the dub. Um, so it, I don't know, it just pissed me off and I just, I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. And then I, I ended up going to Pittsburgh and Philly's camp and I ended up having a really good camp in Philly and i think also then kind of proved that i was able to play with these older guys that i it kind of reassured what i had already thought that i i figured i i had the ability to play there i just had to make sure that i gave myself the opportunity to get there and actually do it so you went
2: to did you go to pittsburgh's summer camp or there
3: I went, or, to, uh, main camp. I went to their, it's almost like Traverse City for Dallas, but okay, like yeah, they yeah. do, so it's like the rookie showcase tournament, so I went to that with Pitt, I actually did really well there, well I thought I did, I who knows if I actually did or not, but I thought I did, and then, but I went back to junior, I uh, didn't get a contract, and then I went, the next year I went to Philly, I did the whole summer development camp, and then went back to the rookie camp in the fall, um, I was one of two rookies to make it to main camp out of that thing or two or three, maybe uh, for forwards. Um, so I played really well and I had a good eg- exit meeting with Peter Laviolette. And um, they just thought I was too small to be able to play in the American league last year. And they didn't want to take that chance. And I, it was my 20 year old year. So it would be the first year you can play. As, uh, as a pro is when you're 20. Um, so I went back to junior, but then that, that camp itself just kind of reassured to me that, even though I didn't get drafted and um which kind of which obviously hurt a lot, but it's it just like reassured that it doesn't matter that you don't need to get drafted. It like you can do you can get to where you wanna be, but it sometimes it just takes a different way or it takes a longer route. And and I've done that twice now. And I think maybe I'm I'm just a good example for other kids that didn't get drafted a week ago if they want to if they want to look at someone who's kind of done it the hard way and the long way is just to take a look at me it's it's not everything's exactly how it is in the movies or what you picture it's going to be it's sometimes you got to just take the long route and, and keep working and put your nose to the grindstone right
1: absolutely well and it's not even like you know you you go through it as an undrafted player and and working your way up but even for second, third, fourth round picks, even for first round picks, a lot of times it's, it's you know, you get that affirmation right away, but then it's still a freaking long road to, to make oh, yeah, a career totally. out of it too, you know? And, and uh, I just like, I hope so many freaking kids listen to this episode of this podcast because everything that you're talking about right now is so relevant to these kids today who might not get that gratification right away. You know, they don't get drafted high in, in you're, you know, and you guys, you're 14 year old draft out in Western Canada or the 15 year old draft in the United States or yeah. up in Ontario and Quebec and stuff. And it's just like, man, like people need to understand that the long way is the, the normal way, you know? Yeah,
0: totally. And, yeah.
3: And, I mean, that's, it's, it feels like the path that's less traveled, but realistically it's, most people take that way it just it's everyone's always searching for gratification or for somebody to reassure them or um, tell them that they're good enough but there's only what 212 picks in the draft or whatever it is and think about how many kids play hockey or that are even in the dub like there's so many kids like realistically not getting drafted is the more common way to go about it like it's just more kids get undrafted it's just what you do with it and you can't let it can't get all butthurt about it right like you got to just you got to put on your work boots and go to work and it's it's going to be the hard way and it's going to be the long way but you got to do it love that I love that so after you
2: go back your 20 year old year so you go to you go to Pittsburgh go back Philly go back
3: 20 year old year what happens at the end of the year then um well I was looking for an NHL contract and never came I ended up fracturing my ankle, my, uh, 20 year old year. So I only played like, it might've been close to 60 games. So I think there, I think teams are worried about that. Um, but I ended up signing a, an American league deal with Abbotsford for the following season, but they signed me to a PTO for the end of the year. And I went up there and I played uh, 10 games maybe, but, uh, scored a couple of goals, put up a few points and, and played really well. We didn't make playoffs or anything, so it was kind of a quick stint, but um, that was my first experience at pro hockey, and it was, again, it was some reassurance that I could do it and had a lot of fun, was able to play with some guys that I played against in junior and um, kind of learn from them. There some guys who played NHL games too, which also kind of reassures it a bit, um, and just getting that experience to, to play with guys who have done it and got to the, the highest level was a pretty cool experience for me.
1: That's awesome, man. So I want to go back to something that you said a little bit earlier. So you you went to Philly's camp, um, had a really good camp, got really good, uh, you know, feedback from Laviolette and and some of those guys. And one of the pieces of feedback that they gave you those, they didn't want to sign you to an AHL contract because they were worried about your size. And so uh, we're on Zoom. We've never met. You're one of Jeff's former teammates. I'm uh, vertically challenged uh, as well, more so than you. Uh, Five foot four. Love it. Um, But, uh, you know, like you have taken that. Obviously, I'm sure that lit a fire under your ass, too. Uh, Happened to me many times in my career. Um, But you've taken that and now you're an NHL player. And now you're an NHL player being the size that you are. And so, you know, most kids that are playing hockey are undersized kids and have dreams and aspirations of playing at the highest levels. Like what do you think it is about your game or even maybe some of the people that you've played with that are in the NHL or that you study and see and on a consistent basis, like how do you think you make it? And how do you succeed as a smaller player in, in today's game?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I think I was a little ahead of my time like when I was getting drafted and I was doing all that stuff it was it was really in the era of being big every team wanted to be big and the NHL is a copycat league right so a big team wins the NHL or wins the Stanley Cup the next year all the teams in the NHL want to go big like it's just kind of how it is right and then um, now you can kind of see the progression that the NHL's made where everyone's smaller and the game is as fast as it's ever been. And I think it's just getting faster and quicker. And the the kids these days are getting, they're smaller, but they're stronger and faster, more skilled. They think the game at a high pace, like it's, it's crazy. Some of the kids I skate with, I skate with that Dylan Holloway, um, the first rounder from Edmonton. And I mean, it's incredible what these kids can do with the puck and their skating and their strength. Like when I was, when I was younger, when I was, like 17, 18 years old, I was like 160 pounds. And all these kids that I work out with are 18 years old and they're over 200 pounds and like thick and sturdy. And I was like just a rail. So um, to get to your point though, it's like, you look at somebody like Yanni Gord, like they, they, he's an undersized guy, but he, he has a motor that just doesn't quit. Um, And I think that's what it takes is just, you can't, Just because there's bigger guys on the ice doesn't mean you you can't go into a corner and out out outwill him or outwork him for a puck. It's 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 those little intangibles that you can bring to the game. Um, Sometimes you got to think the game a little bit smarter. Obviously, you go into a corner with a bigger, heavier guy. Um, The easiest way to come out with the puck is obviously you need the will to do it. Um, You can't be afraid to go get in there and get your nose dirty. But you got to be able to outthink them with body position, with stick position. Um, any way that you can to get the puck is, is really what it is. And I mean, once you get to the next level, everyone seems to be bigger and stronger and faster. So me being a a smaller guy, I try to use my engine and my brains to get me around the ice. I'm, I'm a pretty good skater. I feel like I'm a good skater. So I'm constantly moving, constantly keep my feet going. Um, try to be first into pucks, give myself an advantage that way, getting in there first, and then just trying to think at the highest level I can and then things come fast. So you want to be quick on your feet, quick thinking, quick with the puck, know what's going to happen before the puck gets to you kind of thing. Um, and I think that's helped me succeed and get to the next level. Um, I hope that helps uh, some of the undersized kids out there. But um, I definitely think that having an engine and it starts in the gym. It's like, it doesn't just, you can't just go to the rink one day and think like, Oh, I'm going to, today I'm going to work. Every second I'm on the ice, it's like, no, it's just got to, it's got to happen all the time. And you can't, it's, I, I had a trainer one time tell me like, if there's ever, if there's ever a day you don't want to go to the gym, well will just think to yourself, like there's somebody out there who's, today is working twice as hard as you are and they're going to take your job. So if you want to keep your job and get to the next level, you have to do put in that work now because somebody out there is doing it when you're not. So true.
2: I love that music
3: maybe, to it was you. maybe you told
2: me that
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like
1: some really
2: hot great <laughs> hockey player i'm good you're bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, it was you. i'll give
3: you credit for
2: it <laughs> <laughs> take it no but something i want to ask you about too because you know this is the hockey podcast lots of coaches listen and parents and players whatever um you are one of the smartest players ever played with like no doubt about it. You and Staz, two of the smartest players I've ever seen on the ice. And, you know, you said one of the things you do outwork them. I mean, that's, you know, people know how to outwork somebody. It's not easy, but you know how to yes. like, did you ever do or, or did you play multiple sports or how do you feel like you got your high hockey IQ to where it is? Do you do anything now? Do you watch game film and pick it apart? Like, is there any things that you, you could say that are the reason that you have the on ice vision and, and, you know, thoughts that you
3: do? Uh, Yeah, I definitely watch a lot of video. Um, I didn't growing up, um, but I do now. Now that I play pro, I I do watch a lot of video. Everything's sent to me after every game. I watch all my shifts, um, put in the extra time that way, whether it's on the plane or just in the hotel room or whatever. What does that mean? Um, What does
2: that mean? like For some kids listening or some parents, they send you all your shifts, what happens? Does, Does it... Is it on a TV? Do you get it on your phone? Is it an iPad? What do you do once you get them?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's what exactly what it is. It's just sent to your email. Um, I watch them on my phone when I'm in the hotel. If I'm on the plane, uh, the team has iPads that we just watch them on. Um, and they just break down everything. Like if you want to watch your face off, you can – every single face off YouTube games, every – Person on that team, you can just go in there and you look at that file and you see what you can do better next time you go against that specific guy or what or what are his ten- tendencies? Um, what are the tendencies of certain teams off faceoffs? Do some guys like to go forward? Um, are they always running one timer plays? Like, what's a good way to beat it? Uh, if you win a draw, like stuff like that. So, I mean, you can watch video on literally anything. If you want to watch wall play, if you're a winger. Um, how to be better. Uh, Support low in the zone in the defensive zone as a center, you can watch everything to do about that. Even for D, like, am am I creeping in on the blue line or am I using all the area of the offensive zone as an advantage to me or am I shrinking the zone too much? Like, things like that. Like, I mean, people watch video for everything once it turns pro. Um, It does become more of a job just because there's more stuff to it. Uh, And if you wanted, be a better player and succeed and continue to have a long career. You have to do these things. Cause again, like I said, there's people out there that are doing it that want your job. So you have to do it. It's like, it's the little things. And then that's what I was saying about Yanni Gord. Like he brings all this other stuff and I'm sure he's watching video, but he, he brings all these different intangibles that a lot of guys don't have. And there's um, there's lots of people out there that do that. And I think video is a great way to, To bring up your hockey IQ, I think there's a natural thing with it too. Is just maybe it's just naturally how somebody thinks the game, Um, and some like some people are just that's just how it is. They think it like oh, I'm just going to go out there and hit somebody. But some people are like kind of finesse their way through the game or just think it and process it a little bit differently. So I think some of it's natural, um, but I do think that there are ways to help you become a faster thinker and processor on the ice, which. I think is video and doing stuff in practice too, like do the right things in practice. And I think that's a good way as well. It's so cool.
1: You talk about intangibles. I was literally having uh, this conversation today in our coaches room. So I'm, I'm a midget director of a youth club here in Chicago. And uh, I was talking to like our youth director. So I'm kind of in charge of Bantam Midget. He's in charge of the, the younger ages. And we were talking about putting a plan together of like, you know, what we feel like kids should be, where should they be at after their, you know, squirt year or their novice yeah. year? Where they sh- Where should they be? What are certain things that they should know about the game? What are certain intangibles that they should have? And we had this huge conversation about intangibles and how important it was and how you can implement that and talk about those even at like the younger ages and maybe not like, you know, breaking it down so much into detail but just like little things like mm-hmm. communication and talking little yeah, things totally. like body positioning and how to win a battle by putting your body in the right spot and like it's just it's man i feel like those things are and it's funny like i was having a, a conversation with an ahl coach yesterday and he was saying like man tof like these kids that are coming up are so skilled they're so skilled but they do not think the game
3: <laughs> yeah it,
1: they're not very smart and they can't really think the game. And I just like, we, it's a PSA for us almost every time we're on the podcast and we talk hockey, it's like, we've gotten so into the skill side of things and being the fastest and be, but like at the end of the day, like it's these intangibles that you're talking about being able to think the game, that's really going to separate you. And I think, like, it's just, you know, as coaches, we need to really start preaching that more because it is something that's, I don't want to say it's becoming a dying art in our game because it's not, but still like, it's, we can't be so skill, 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 and forget about, hey, there's like a game that we got to think out here too.
3: Yeah, no, totally. Like I, I skated with a coach a few weeks ago and he's a skills coach. So I'm out there with some guys and um, there's some NHLers out there, but then there's also some younger kids and i'm watching what they do with the puck and i'm like this is actually incredible like is they're ridiculous
1: does, dude it's I don't unbelievable understand.
3: yeah like i'm like i feel like i'm a peewee player out here compared to these kids doing these field <laughs> drills now You know what and i like, felt all like being on your line bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i like i asked the trainer i'm like who like who are these kids like where do they go and they're like oh there's they're just like younger kids and he's like every single one of these kids can do any of these like skill drills, no problem. But if you put them in a game, they just, the way they process and think the game is it's almost like they just want everything to be that skill drill. They want the game to be that skill drill, right? Like they just want to toe drag somebody. They just want to pick up the puck behind the net, like things like that. And they're like, you just can't do that. Like there's guys out there that are smarter, bigger, faster, stronger than you. And if you want to do that, if you want to piss them off and do that, you can, but you're just going to be on your ass every single time. Right. So it is the kids I think worry a little bit too much. I think it's the thing with like social media too. Like everyone wants to be that kid on social media who does the Michigan behind the net now. And like, not a lot of people can do that and like not a lot of people can do it in a game and make it work. So why are you doing it? Why are you trying um, to do that? You know, like, why is that while you're practicing? Yeah. Like just go play the game, <laughs> play the game and score a goal like that. That's going to work better than you trying the Michigan 10 times and it might work once a year. Like, so I, that's what I think. I think, it, I think a lot of it is social media. I think a lot of it's like Instagram and kids want to be Insta famous now and they want to put it up and see how many likes they can get. And, and like, like it's not every kid, but I think that, I think that contributes to to why kids want to be so skilled. They They see all the influencers on Instagram too and all the puck tricks and Stuff so that they do. And I think it's contagious. And I think it, it fits in with the younger crowd.
1: Totally. I, I almost feel like some, I'm, I'm coaching a team of 16 year olds this year, and I almost want to implement like a fine system on, <laughs> on the amount of like if you try to beat somebody one on one like you're going to get fined a dollar or something like that like <laughs> stop trying to toe drag somebody stop trying to go through their feet like there's a time and place obviously like it's yeah. it, you know but like so many times I watch these practices or I watch some of these summer skates and there's somebody open and it's just like dude just like head up man head up like he's yeah. don't try to beat him, and it, I just like I got to, I got to just calm myself down a lot when I see it. And I like the other coaches know that that's a pet peeve of mine. So they'll see it. And then they'll look at me like, cause I'm going to get rattled about it, but it's just like the the game of hockey is, yeah, man, it's just, it's so like, you have to use your teammates. And then when you don't have the puck, you got to get in a spots to help your teammates. And it's just like, that's oh God, it's being lost. And I just, we got to do a better job of coaches.
3: Yeah. Sometimes I get fired up on the ice in the summers when we're playing and you do like smaller or you do like three on three or four on four or whatever and you're on the ice and you just feel like you're just skating around and you haven't touched the puck because everyone just wants to go one-on-one the whole time yeah. and sometimes I get fired up and I I probably shouldn't because sometimes it's in like July when we <laughs> still have a few, a few months to, before we get going so sometimes I need to settle down and relax a little bit but yeah sometimes it pisses me off like I can't stand it like it's just so annoying like just use your teammates to play the game the the right way i guess but maybe yeah, i mean, yeah, lo- just i need an off switch
2: <laughs> <laughs> no it's good that you don't have one you should be looking to make two on ones not one on ones
3: oh well, yeah exactly that's why there's more guys on the ice than just you and the person you're trying to beat like the easiest way to do it is just add players to the the process to the sequence just add players and it usually becomes easier
1: oh god i love it that yeah honestly like my um, biggest pet peeve in hockey and you guys see it like especially at the younger ages, like when somebody makes an odd man rush and do a one-on-one, oh, yeah. I it's lose my
3: freaking marbles. <laughs> yeah, and stick handling it into the corner and you're like, thanks, <laughs> dude.
1: Glad I scared up the ice with you. Oh yeah. Oh man. Well, let's get back to your story here, Justin, because it it is a great one and you got a chance uh, to play in swift current for all of our American friends is a little town up in Saskatchewan. (laughs) Um, And talk, talk to us a little bit about it because we haven't had too many people on here from the WHL, the Western league. And, and it's a great league and in a feeder league to uh, you know, to the NHL and the pro hockey. So talk a little bit about your experience there and how you felt like it, it, uh, it helped you to get ready to be a pro hockey player.
3: Yeah, not, not a lot of people know about Swift Current. There's like 15,000 people there maybe, and it's an hour and a half to the next closest city, which is not a big city. But <laughs> in comparison to Swift Current, it's a big city. Um, yeah, it was small. So, I mean, the, your time there was spent a lot with teammates. That's kind of where you built your memories and your friendships was because of the, the small town. Everyone was so close. We just hung out with each other every single day it was all the guys just hung out together at somebody's billets. And so I have a, I have a lot of, um, a lot of friendships that I still cherish to this day and still hang out with them. Um, one of the guys I played with was at my wedding party. Um, and you, I feel like that's where you build bonds too, is in, in the Western league or just in like the CHL. I'm sure it's the same with college. Um, just like being around the guys all the time. And I, Just being in swift current, there's nothing really to do. So that's what we did was we built bonds with each other, just hanging out every single day. Um, And maybe that's why I had a good junior career, too. If you go to the rink and you're comfortable with everyone and and you're having fun and usually what you bring off the ice kind of leads to on the on the ice and you have that friendship and chemistry with everyone. and, And it made for made for a lot of fun years, actually, with not a lot to do we actually had quite a bit of fun. So, I mean, I played with good hockey players too. We had Adam Lowry was there, Cody Eakin. So, I mean, we had, we put together some good teams. We never made long runs, but um, I mean, anytime you get to the playoffs and, and do something good past the first round, I think you're being successful. And we did that a few times. So it was fun and I, I enjoyed it. And I, I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world. Uh, like I said, I have a lot of friends I still hang out with now um, that I played with then and there's, there are days where I, I, th- I think that um, the way I, I developed as a hockey player, I, um, a little bit of a late bloomer, I think the draw would have helped me. But then again, I wouldn't have met the people that I did uh, along the way in Swift Current. So I, I wouldn't change it for anything.
2: That's awesome. It always, it always interests me to think about how guys who go the major junior route, like what they would look like, play, like be like, you wouldn't play the same style of hockey coming, playing college hockey when you did back then, if you would have, that's for sure. You definitely like think the game on a way higher level than what most college hockey players, I would say did back then. But something that's super interesting, you said is, uh, how your teams were like the teams that are close off the ice are are the teams that are usually successful. And, like Tolf and I are constantly to- talking about that. Tolf has uh, a business where he goes to division one, division three, whatever college junior teams and, and does team building with them to try and work on those exact things. Like, what does it mean when you're saying like you guys had a good time off the ice or you guys were a tight knit team what, or like, is there a reason? or there things you guys did? Was it like bowling night every Tuesday, something as simple as that or
3: or what? It's it, uh, like, honestly, it was just like the Sunday fun days. It was just, Having beers in the backyard, playing beers beer, cornhole, or whatever. It was just like all the like like there literally was not anything to do in Swift Current unless you went and drank on a Sunday because you had the day off, or um, or like you go to a movie. Like it's it was just like there. Those were the two things you did in Swift Current because it was just you just go to a movie and hang out and hang out at somebody's billet house and play Call of Duty for eight hours on and. It's like, it was one of those three things. And I mean, I mean, it's a junior, it's exactly like college. You go out and have your fun and drinks. And that was like, we, every Sunday we would go to somebody's billets house and we just grab a case of beer and play beers. And, and I mean, obviously not in the, the winter, but once, <laughs> because sometimes it's minus 15 swift. So you're not going outside and playing beers. But I mean, like we'd grab a case and we just go sit in the basement and do whatever, play beer pong or whatever. But I think it's, I think it's very similar to how you become close off the ice in college. It's just, you build those memories by hanging out with each other and enjoying the time that you spend with each other.
1: So true, man. I think those, those unstructured times where you're kind of away from the rink and the pressure is off. That's like, that's the DNA of teams that either win or lose. Like Right. And I
3: think, I think also I didn't mention, but like in college, you fly everywhere and sw- like in the dub and Swift current, we had the, like, we had like 15 hour bus rides. So when you're spending 15 hours on a bus together, you're just naturally going to bond and become closer. So I think all that time that you're just constantly spent around. So whether it's going to a movie, 15 hours on a bus, going and having a few beers with each other, playing call of duty, like we are like, especially being in a small city where everyone is within a two minute drive of each other we always hung out and it was always as a team, everyone hung out. It was always this big thing. Well, Hey, we're all here. We're all hours away from home and there's nothing to do. So we're all going to do nothing together. Kind of thing.
1: Totally. The yeah. that's best- the best junior teams that I was on. So I, I played my junior hockey in Chicago and the way our housing was set up, like we had people all over the place. Right. So mm-hmm. exact opposite of, of Swift current, where everybody's kind of right in the same spot, we were pretty spread out, but the teams that I was on that did well were the ones that like, it still didn't matter. We were driving an hour to make sure we were having a poker night or yeah, we were totally. driving 45 minutes to, you know, do whatever. And it's just like, you know, at, at any level too, that's, that stuff is just, it's really, really important. And you listen to some of these other podcasts, you know, Spit and chiclets. I think one of the best things that they do is they get, you know, guys on that have won Stanley cups. And, and you were on a team that, that got to Stanley cup final a couple of years ago. And like to hear them talk about just like how close they were. And yeah. how much they wanted to battle for each other. And you said it perfectly And Vex. You said it too. Like how close you are off the ice is a direct translation to, you know, to how you, you play on the ice. And I just, I think that's really cool. And the fact that you got to do that for, for as long as you did in, in Swift current and the WHL, I mean, that's, that had to have been unbelievable.
3: Yeah. I, I truly think that it's like a direct correlation of like how you are off the ice as a group is how you will be on the ice. Like, if you don't want to go to battle and you don't want to put in the work for the guy you're sitting next to, then it's just not going to happen. You can't just like flip a switch and say that you're going to do it. Like you want to like naturally feel it from the inside. Like I will, I like, I want to go to battle for you. I want to win for you. I want to win with you. And again, then you build those memories. And I think we had teams like that in Swift where everyone just wanted to play for each other. I mean, we like, we never went far, or anything like that in the dub, like we never, we were never even went to the conference final, but we always had good enough teams where I think we could have done it. We had chances. Um, we always just got like, I mean, the one year we had a really good team, but we went up against Tyler Ennis, who I think scored 11 goals in one series. Like you just, you can't do anything about it. Like it's just tough luck. Like You're in junior, there's going to be teams where they have that one or two guys where they're just difference makers. And they're just, they're just going to beat you. That one guy's going to beat you. That's the difference. I think, um, especially when you have older guys, like if you have 19 or 20 year olds, now they're playing 16 year olds. They're just, they could just take over a game if they wanted to. So I think there is a bit of that. Um, but yeah, no, we had, we had fun teams in Swift. So I, like I said, I wouldn't change it for anything. I had unbelievable billets too. Swift current has some of the best billets in the league, in my opinion, like they understand there's not a lot to do, so they loved hosting, they loved having everyone over. So they made it a lot easier too. It's hard it's hard being sixteen and leaving home. So I like I thoroughly enjoyed everything about Swift Current. It was a it was a great spot to play. And like I said, my billets were unbelievable.
1: <laughs> Swift Current, gotta love it. The Broncos. You guys are <laughs> both Broncos, man. Western Michigan man. Broncos, Swift Current Broncos.
3: That's Speedy Creek.
1: <laughs> uh, well, well Jess, I want to fast forward a little bit now because, um, you know, you are somebody, so you got into pro hockey, you played in the AHL, you played in the coast a little bit, and it took five, six years for you to, to finally crack an NHL lineup. And most people would not make it that long. <laughs> most people get, <laughs> you know, three, four years of riding the bus and grinding it out and, you know, just wanting it so bad, but it not happening. And, and so I would love to know from you a couple things. You know, the first one is like, what was your mindset like as you were kind of going through that and battling and in terms of not, you know, you being so close, you're in the next league up for like five, six years before it happens. And so what was your mindset going through? And then the other thing that I thought was awesome too, was you score your first freaking NHL goal in Calgary, which is your hometown. (laughs) And by the way, Vex, have you seen that goal? Yeah, of course I did. That was one of the nastiest goals I've seen. Just the poise on that two-on-one bringing it around. So like, I guess first question is like grinding it through, like what was your mindset as you were going through that? Because, you know, again, like we talked about earlier, the, the long way is, is the normal way a lot of the time. And, and, and you got through it and, and you ended up getting your, your dream of playing in the NHL and then scoring in your hometown, your first NHL goal after going through all of that. How, how freaking amazing was that too?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think going up and playing in Austin, um, and seeing other guys get called up over you is, it's frustrating, especially like you're, I had some good years in Austin and, and I wanted a Calder cup there. So a lot of the guys from the team there, um, we're now getting opportunities to go up and play and it's, you kind of build that inner competition with your teammates um obviously you're happy for them but you want to be that guy too right like you want to go up and play and, and make an impact at the next level and, and see if you can see if you can actually do it and, and play as an NHLer full-time and when you're not getting that opportunity it pisses you off and I think it naturally built that inner competition between guys and um once I was finally able to get up there Uh, I like my first stint. I think I only played like three games and I got sent down and played three games again later on in the year. Um, but once you have the taste for it, you just want to be back so bad. And I, I mean, I've had over the last seven, six, seven years of pro hockey. I I think I've had like four or five offers from Russia to go over there. And it's sometimes it's hard not to take the money and just go over and, um, enjoy your time in Europe and have some fun over there. But I got that one taste and I was like, I got to get back. Like, I cannot, I cannot go to Europe and not give myself a full opportunity to prove that I can do it. And I think, I, I think I turned down three or four uh, offers from Russia before I finally made it fully in the NHL. And thank, thankfully I didn't take them like, cause I couldn't imagine being in Russia right now. Um, but yeah, it's just, you get that taste and you just, you, you want to be back. And then to score in in Calgary was just, I don't even know. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Cause I don't, obviously it happened. I don't remember it happening, you know, like one of those things, like you, you the goal happened, but I don't, I couldn't even, I couldn't even tell you how what happened earlier in the play earlier in the shift. I just know the puck went in, I had buddies in the corner front row stand up and like they're all right there i had no like way there's probably like a hundred people up in the in the nosebleed Amazing. too during the anthem that game they're all screaming my name and my coach is like patting me on the back like do you know <laughs> these people like who are they like yeah no they're here for me so yeah. and then he said he was like well make it a good one and then obviously it turned out really well so
2: unbelievable
3: yeah but you know <laughs> Surreal, it's really-
2: like,
3: the funniest thing about that goal is that my mom was in, uh, so obviously like my family's there, but my mom's in the stands and she has a server where they're sitting and she was up getting beers for everyone that was in line. And she said that she heard like the crowd, like starting to get louder and louder. And then, the um, people were like, Oh my God, it's Justin, it's Justin, it's Justin. And she wasn't like paying attention really. Cause she was trying to pay get, and get these like 10 beers for everyone in the row. So my mom ended up missing my goal because she was buying beers for everyone, and so now, like every time there's like a Mother's Day thing on Sportsnet or on TSN, they always show a clip of her. (laughs) That's (laughs) awesome. She couldn't see my first goal because she was too busy getting slammed. (laughs) (laughs) She needed her pints,
1: which I understand.
3: You need a pint at the game. I get it.
1: Especially, yeah, watching your son playing in the NHL in in the hometown, I can see how that's uh, that's a little nerve wracking. But yeah. Man, you know what's so cool about, like, everything that you just said, and and I think this is such a valuable lesson for anybody, not just anybody that's trying to freaking play in the NHL or whatever, but, like, you bet on yourself. You went all yeah, in sure. and you bet on yourself, you know, and and that is, uh, to be honest with you, like, in today's day and age of comparative culture and everything, like – that is a courageous thing to do, in my opinion, is to go all in on something and to really bet on yourself, even if you know the circumstances or whatever isn't necessarily telling you that you should. And you get these offers in Russia, and you, you turn them down because you're like, no, like this is this is my goal, this is what I want to do. And and I just man, facts like I don't know what you think about that, but like I, I just we need more of that in our world today. You know, like just bet on yourself, go all in on something, believe in yourself uh, it, it's just a freaking refreshing. And I think it's awesome.
2: Well, I mean, <clears throat> as obviously I completely agree with you and I love it. And I see so many people, 10 years, 15 years down the road. I put some on my Instagram the other day. It's like, don't be that guy in the bar when you're twenty. 25, 30, 35 being like, I wish I would have just tried. I wish I would have just like tried as hard as I could. I wish I would have, you know, done that fifth year before I went over to Russia, you know, like you never, what what would have happened? Like what would your fulfillment levels be? Probably much different than what they are now. If you'd kind of given in and just taken, you know, the easier route, the more money and stuff like that up front. I mean, it's it's unbelievable.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you definitely, you don't want to go through life. You don't want to wake up 10 years down the road with regrets. And I, like, my wife was huge into that. She's like, we cannot go. Like, you're so close. You cannot leave. And it was just like, but that's a lot of money. Like, I don't, what do you mean? Like, I kinda want to go. Like, I want I want to start making some good coin, especially when you're signing two-way deals. And sometimes the American League money isn't as, as good as what you want it to be. Or, uh, yeah, like, and when you go up to the NHL, it's like, that's one of the perks is you get, you get a big raise and, and it feels good. And that's one of the things that drives you to go back is like, Hey, well, I, now I've gone up and I've done this. I've played at the highest level. I'm making more money. Um, you're kind of, you're finally getting what you have earned and like deserved. Right. So it, it definitely drives you to get back there. And like, thankfully my wife was just like, you cannot go. Like you've played nine games now or 11 games or whatever it was. She's like, you cannot leave. And like, Thankfully I listened to her because there's a few times where I was like one phone call away from being, I am like we're going, we're going, and I'm we're gonna start our career over there and we're gonna set ourselves up for the future. And that's like the biggest thing. It wasn't like not money driven, but I have a family. It's about providing, right? So it's that was the biggest thing is you just when you're not making the the money you wanted to, and um but then, like I said, then you get, you, you, you finally get a crack at it. You finally get your opportunity. And I, there, there wasn't, I couldn't give it up that like, you just can't, you can't give yourself nine games and say, Oh, well I've done it. Like, yeah, that's something I would sit down when I'm 35 years old and be like, why on earth was I like satisfied with nine games? That's just not, that's not how I want to be when I'm older. I don't want to be happy with that. I don't want to be satisfied with nine games
1: awesome. I know, dude, I freaking love that so much. Well, like, obviously you made a great decision (laughs) with, with how things have gone. And, and, uh, you know, we've had you on here, but one of the last things I really wanted to ask you about was, you know, you were in the bubble and you were with Dallas when they went on their run and you guys had a run. I don't think there was a whole heck of a lot of people (laughs) that had Dallas, you know, in, in the cup final playing against Tampa Bay, um, but talk to us a little bit about what that experience was like going on that cup run with Dallas. And, and uh, you know, that, I mean, very few people get to taste the Stanley cup finals. And even though you guys didn't end up winning the cup and, and Tampa Bay uh, ended up getting it, like, what was that experience like for
3: you? Yeah, that was, uh, uh, it wasn't like I'm sure going to any other Stanley cup final. It was weird. I mean, I ate the same or two restaurants for, <laughs> Sixty-seven days or something like that. <laughs> it was weird. I looked at the same four walls every single day in my hotel. But no, it was like I mean, that's the goal and that's the dream, right? Is to be able to lift the cup. And we were so close to get the game six and two nothing game. I mean, but it could have like I I feel like I, in my opinion I, I feel like it could have gone either way. Some other people say that Tampa played really well and obviously they did. They won, but uh, some people say they dominated us in that game, but. I didn't see it that way. When you're sitting on the bench, it feels different than that. Um, I didn't think that they dominated us, but they, obviously they deserve to win. They, they were such a good team. Um, they're so hard to play against. They got everything going for them, that team From right from the goalie, uh, all the way up to 60 that are unbelievable. Every single one of them. Then they got four lines that just grind you down. They got top end talent. Kucherov's, Insane, like he is so good. It's like every time you go on the ice and he steps on, the am I'm just like I'm got I gotta get off. Whatever I can do to get off the <laughs> ice, I gotta get off because this is gonna be a dash and I don't want to eat it. <laughs> but it, the experience was awesome. It was cool. Like I would just wish there would have been fans because I couldn't imagine playing for Stanley Cup with their, with an arena, of twenty thousand people screaming and cheering and having a good time. Like it was. That was one thing about it that was weird. It was just, like, eerie. The fake n- crowd noise. Um, yeah, how was that? That was so weird. It, the, when we first went there and we did our first exhibition game against Nashville, it it just felt like a summer game. Like, like it was really weird. Like, it was like shinny hockey. Like, <clears throat> something big would happen, and then there would be, like, a pause, and then all of a sudden you'd just hear the, like, whatever guy works in like the DJ booth or whatever, just turn up the volume of (laughs) the crowd. And you're like, this just feels awful. Like this is brutal, but no, the experience was awesome. Like being able to play in the actual Stanley cup finals against Tampa was the coolest thing ever. And my wife and daughter were actually one of the only families that made it into the bubble. So they were able to watch, um, watch the games live and I was able to bring my daughter in the dressing room and stuff afterwards and after we won the West. Um, so it was super cool. Like they, it's, I think that's a memory that will live with me and my wife forever. And I'm super excited that once Perry's of age to kind of understand what happened and and that she was actually a part of that crazy time was, will be something really cool to and something that I really enjoy explaining and, and telling to her when she's older. Unreal,
1: man. Well, one of the other other interviews that I saw you do as I was uh kind of doing a little digging before uh <laughs> before getting you on here is you got the chance to play a little bit with uh with Sagan and Ben uh in Dallas yeah. on the same line with them so I, I'm just wondering being able to play with some of the top players in the NHL um on a line and having success with them you know what is it about those two guys in particular being able to play with them that like did you what did you learn stuff from being able to play with them why are they so successful like just take us through through kind of playing on a top line in the NHL.
0: Yeah.
3: I think that, I think that's kind of my versatility. Maybe that that is my hockey IQ and my smarts that allow me to do that is um, I can kind of bounce around a lineup um, and play up and down wherever they kind of need me. And when I was able to play with Tyler and Jamie, like just their natural ability is just incredible. It's not like in the game where you watch them and you're like, Oh, that's, that's how you got good at that. It's like, they just have like incredible natural ability and it comes out and it shows in games. But when you watch them in practice, like Tyler shoots like hundreds of pucks in a practice, like hundreds of them. Like, it's crazy. He goes out early and he just shoots, he stays out late and just shoots. Like I, like I I'm dead serious when I say he shoots hundreds of pucks in practice. It's great. And it's every single day. So then, when you go in a game and you actually play a game with them, and then you give them like a shit burger pass, and all of a sudden it's right in the elbow posting in, and you're like, "Well, I can see why you do that <laughs> It's because I've seen you do it hundreds of times in practice, so that's that's what it is. You don't learn and you don't learn anything from watching them play during games or playing with them during games. It's all obviously before it, it's in the lead up, it's all in practice, but playing with them was obviously a ton of fun like they are just incredible talents and and Sagan's one of the premier goal scorers in the league and Jamie's arguably one of the best power forwards in the league so it it was easy for me like I I feel like a lot of guys could go up and and have success with them so I think it was easy for me to go up and with my ability to just think the game and and skate I could go in and grind and get pucks for them and give it to them and let them do their thing so it made it, it it made the transition from playing fourth line or third line to, to going up to, and playing with them a lot easier.
2: Yeah, that's sick dolls. And, and so obviously Ben and second are probably two of the best players you played with, but who would you say if I, it's hard to narrow it down. Kids always ask me to ask guys this, were are the three best players you played with or against in the NHL?
3: Oh, that's no, that's super easy. Sid one he's incredible. Like, I have fanboy on the bench when he's on the ice. I just, (laughs) I so can when I just watch him. (laughs) Is he the best all
2: time? Is he the best all time? I think he is. Well, I, God, I don't
3: know. I I don't even think I've ever seen a game of Greta play, but he's definitely the best of our generation, for sure. Um, McDavid is the scariest person to be on the ice against because you you know there's probably like a 95% percent chance that you're getting scored on and you just like hate yourself it's just terrible like he's so good and you can't take the puck from him I and mean, you just you just puts you in the spin cycle for like two minutes straight when you're on the ice with him it's awful he's so good um and then the third one I think is Patty Kane he's there's a my first I I took a slap shot from Giordano and I took it in the lung one time play actually in Calgary which is unfortunate so I had to leave the game I bruised my lung and my first game back after that yeah, it was it was awful. My first game back, I played uh, – we were playing Chicago in Chicago, and Patty put up a hat trick against us, and I was on the ice for every single one. And, like, one oh. of my first shifts back, he – it was – I was covering for the D, and he came down one-on-one against me. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to give you a little bit of space so that you don't, like, toe-drag me and, like, go inside out and break my ankles – but I gave him a little too much space and he just took it and walked in and ripped it through my legs, goes barred down on Hudobin. And I was like, Oh my God, like (laughs) what am I doing? And then he ended up scoring two more times before the end of the second. I was like, this is awful.
2: (laughs) What's what's going through your head? You're like, I'm like, I'm going to be smart. Yeah.
3: Yeah. i was like, I'm going to be smart and I'm going to give you a little bit of extra space so that you don't like just, Make Sports me look like a you? fool, but he just made me look like a fool in a completely different way. Like he so pat, unPatty cane esque you know. Like usually he just toe drags, he puts it through your skates and goes around you, or do like a three sixty. That was the one thing. It was the first thing that go, went through my head was like, you are not doing a spinner m on me. There's no chance. I'm not allowing that. <laughs> so I gave him like an extra like five feet so he couldn't get close to me. And he just used me as a screen, shot it through my legs, went far down. And I was like, oh my god
1: unreal this sucks right. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's,
3: that's actually an easy question for me because i they're the same three guys i say every single time they're so good would off cool before sorry would Kuchar off before yeah he cl- he's close for sure he is he's so good too he just doesn't have like the i mean he literally has everything but i like you watch like sin and connor like like I go back to like that engine, like, it's just like, it feels like those two guys, they never stop working. They're always going where as Cooch, you can see, I'm kind of like, and it's just the way he plays and thinks the game, he, he kind of like slows it down, right? You can play the game and slow it down where it's like Sid McDavid, it's a hundred miles an hour. They have that engine. And you just like, feels like you're just constantly watching them just fly up and down the ice and make these plays at their top speed, which a lot of guys can't do. So it's just incredible to watch those two, but Sid's my favorite, I, I love to um tell my buddies back home and like my wife and stuff that I'm hundred percent against someone's on face off, so I'm gonna always keep that. Yeah. Not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get out of, I don't get out on the ice against them
2: lot, so I'm only one to <laughs> Not a big deal. Hey, you're only as good as your last face off against it. Yeah, you're one know man. You own Sid.
3: Yeah. No, it's yeah, it was that was one of the that was like my welcome to the NHL moment. That was my first um one of my first times playing was against Pitt, actually, and going up against a draw against him. And I was like, "This is the coolest thing I've ever done."
1: Awesome, very so cool. Awesome. Well, we're yeah. happy for you. Uh, obviously, Vex, I'm sure, as a former teammate, somebody who made you look really good for the few <laughs> you guys played on the same line. Got to be really happy for you. So, uh congratulations <laughs> on your new contract in Vancouver. Got to be really yeah, thank great. you. Be a little bit closer to home, being able to play for the, for the Canucks there, so how excited are you now to get going for next season?
3: Yeah, I'm super excited. I mean, it's, it hasn't really sunk in yet. I I don't think it'll sink in until I'm packing up the the car and booking flights for my wife and realizing that I don't have to drive 30 hours to Texas. <laughs> I think it'll click in then. It'll be nice to only have to drive 10 hours down the road, but yeah, we're so excited. I mean, having the little one now too, having a daughter, and she's only uh, like 16 months old, So it's nice to have family close to home that can come visit and help out. And especially with COVID the last two years, like she hasn't been around our family a whole bunch, right? Like in Alberta, things just opened up. And then and then we're in Dallas for the other, however, three quarters of COVID. So, and then we're in the bubble. So my family hasn't really seen her all that much. So it's nice to, to know that we're a little bit closer to home and they can come and, it's just an easy job for them to come over and and visit and say hi. so that was one of the decisions that helped us, um, or that was one of the factors that helped us decide to to do van. but um, yes, super, super, super excited to to get going and and starting a new chapter in in Vancouver.
1: Good stuff, man. Well, best of luck towards the end of this summer here. And, and training camp is, I don't want to say right around the corner, but it's getting there. So best <laughs> yeah, of luck going, going up through quick. that. Yeah, and, uh, and congratulations again. Thanks for coming on, man.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Good luck to thanks, buddy. I appreciate it.